Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Story time. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com/acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improved jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm a pretty avid backpacker in the Pacific Northwest. Sometimes I'll hike for days on end without seeing another person. I think it's exhilarating being completely alone, there's really no feeling like it. You get used to it, but personally I can never help but be on edge. The environment is completely serene and friendly. But there's a constant feeling in the back of your mind, it's hard to put your finger on. Most of the time you'll be chugging along, comfortable in your mind, but when you stop for rest, or to fill up on water, you can't help but look over your shoulder. Nothing bothers me much out in the woods. I've run into brown bears, had elk trample through camps late at night and much more. But one night was different. I was on a deep backwoods hike, in the late fall off season was pretty cold, but the snow hadn't quite started falling yet. I like that. In fact, I usually plan my trips this way. The forest ranger I talked to when I was organizing the trip said I was the only hiker she knew of who'd be up there at the time. I was using dispersed camping sites so far off the beaten path they don't have fire pits. That night was five or six miles from the trail into the area. I set up camp at a site about a hundred yards from a stream, close enough that a faint babbling was audible. I'd lit a fire, cooked dinner, read for a while and was settling down to sleep. I lay listening for a while to the sounds of the woods and the creek. Just as I was nodding off, I think I hear voices. Nothing distinct, no clear words, but clearly a group of people was having a good time, laughing, maybe telling stories around a campfire. A feeling of dread came over me. I thought, I shouldn't leave the tent. Fear like I've never felt engulfed me. All the hairs on my arms, legs, and on the back of my neck stood on end. I lay there for a while in panic, the voices carrying on laughing indistinctly. After a while they receded into the background noise. I still didn't leave the tent, I was too afraid. The next morning after a very short night's sleep, I searched the surrounding area, and the path to the site. The few shoe prints I found were faded and worn around the edges, too old and too few to be from the size of group I'd heard. I tried to shrug it off as nerves, maybe nervousness got the best of me, but I couldn't shake a certain tension. I made good time to my next site, the last of the trip, looking around a little more than usual. Still nobody to be seen. That site had no stream. Dry camping isn't a blast, but it's doable if you pack enough water for cooking and drinking for the night. It was a lot quieter, just the chirps of bugs and the wind rustling the trees. I cooked my dinner, and stayed up a good while after dark sitting on a log, looking at the stars and listening to the sounds of the forest, trying to hear the voices from the night before, but there was nothing. I turned in for the night, stretching every act out. I lay there, restless for what felt like hours. Finally, calm comes over me. And the it's back. 
nothing threatening or particularly scary, just the sounds of a group of 15 to 20 having a good time, barely audible above the background noise. This time I'm calm, and there's what seems like an internal dialogue in the back of my mind, why not join them? Sounds like they're having fun. I'd really rather stay here. This is entirely unconscious, and goes on for a while. I'd never experienced anything like this. I was worried that I'd lost it. After a time, the noises faded away into the white noise, and I felt that I was alone. The next day I packed as quickly as I could and got out of Dodge. During the day I was more at ease, like I had always been in the past. I was relieved when I got to the car and started back home. I told the story a few times, and every time I felt a little of that dread from the first night. I really had no reason to feel strongly about what had happened. I just heard strange noises in the forest, nothing extraordinary, but I felt it. On one occasion, I told the story my teacher who's native. He got quiet for a minute, then said I had run into stick Indians. He said that it was good that I didn't leave the tent. Stick Indians are evil and dangerous being that prey on children and women. The look on his face was sober. He told me not to go back to that place again. These spirits are extremely aggressive and attack and kill at the slightest provocation, including even saying their Salish name, which he refused to do. Whenever the subject comes up, I get that same fear in me. As I write this I'm thousands of miles from those sites and my arms are still quaking. Five years ago, I found myself deep within the Salmon Huckleberry Wilderness, 18 air miles east of Estacada, Oregon. It was a place of raw beauty. It was a moonlit night. My hiking companions and I had set up camp near a pristine lake, eager to spend the night under the starry sky. The atmosphere was filled with laughter and excitement as we exchanged stories around the crackling campfire. However, as the night grew darker, an eerie silence fell upon the forest. Suddenly, piercing screams tore through the stillness, jolting us from our conversations. The chilling sound seemed to originate from the heart of the wilderness, carrying an otherworldly quality that sent shivers down our spines. Fear gripped us as we scrambled to pack our belongings. Panic spread like wildfire, and one man, overcome by terror, lost control and wet his pants. We were desperate to escape the clutches of whatever creature or force was responsible for those blood-curdling screams. With trembling legs, we began our hasty retreat, stumbling through the underbrush and over fallen logs. Adrenaline coursed through my veins, pushing me forward despite the exhaustion that weighed heavy on my limbs. The air hung heavy with tension and the pungent scent of fear. As we made our way through the darkness, a swarm of bats suddenly erupted from the forest canopy. Chaos ensued, and one of the creatures became entangled in the hair of the man closest to me. His panicked cries mingled with the flapping wings of the bat, creating a cacophony of terror. It was a moment of sheer terror, amplifying the already unsettling atmosphere surrounding us. Seeking safety and solace, we pressed on, desperately hoping to leave the haunted echoes of the banshee's screams behind. Our path led us through an area enveloped in a putrid odor, a stench that defied description. It was as if the very essence of fear and decay had taken physical form, 
assaulting our senses and leaving us gasping for fresh air. Eventually, we emerged from the depths of that haunted night, stumbling into the dim light of dawn. Exhausted and shaken, we collapsed onto the forest floor, grateful to have escaped whatever malevolent presence had haunted our wilderness retreat. My grandfather told me the story about the eerie incident that made him quit being a ranger. My grandfather used to work to be a park ranger in Uganda and had many stories to tell us about misbehaving teenagers who thought it was funny to stay illegally in the park overnight, white supremacist tourists who think they could hunt any time, and even indigenous people who believe the land belonged to them. But this time, he told me the story why he resigned from being a ranger, as he thought I was old enough to hear this creepy story. And after hearing it, I'm thankful for him quitting or else I probably wouldn't be here today. One day, he and his co-worker, let's call him Sam, went out to patrol at night. As they were walking, they saw a very high unusual amount of snake activity everywhere. Ignoring it, they continued on their job. And they had heard multiple trumpets of elephants and saw many zebras running in no particular direction, just away from the place that he and his co-worker were going deeper into the depths of the forest. They assumed that it was somebody, possibly teenagers, causing trouble. This made them cautious and alert for danger. They continued going deeper in with their rifles loaded and lamps in front of them. Then, they saw a blue shimmery light glowing in the shape of a circle in the forest. It looked to be like a portal. My grandfather had advised his co-worker to examine it. As Sam leaned in to touch it, he was immediately sucked in like a vacuum. Now, I'm not relating Derek to trash, but who touches a portal? After waiting a few moments for Derek to come out, but as expected, he didn't. My grandfather ran away from the portal and towards the cabin of rangers. There, he shared this unnatural incident with the rest of the rangers who slept there. They collectively decided to go check it out the next morning. The next morning, they went to the same place. When my grandfather saw the portal, there was no portal and no sign of Derek either. His co-workers then did not believe him and said that Derek must have slipped drugs and hallucinated the whole thing. My grandfather resigned after that. He did not want to see more supernatural incidents happening and also did not want to die. And there was a huge cover-up that happened with Derek and him disappearing. Is he still alive in some alternate universe? Did he turn into something like a ghost? Is he dead? Nobody knows. This evening, I'm going to be telling you about a sighting that I had back in July while working the night shift. It was just me and my partner that night. We were going around the highway right around 11 p.m. But as it turns out, our second call came in the day right around 10.40 p.m. In Ohio State Highway Patrol jurisdiction, there are no set speed limits on any roads except the Turnpike and a few other select highways. So when we get calls to investigate speeders, we have to find probable causes that somebody is going above the posted speed limit. Now, it was about 10.45, and I see a car passing from behind at seemingly high speeds. I didn't think much of it at first, but when I noticed the brake lights turning on and off, at first, I thought somebody was just messing around. 
But then it became apparent this guy was trying to warn me. I turned on my lights and siren and immediately got behind this person. We were driving into a heavily forested area, so there were no lights. And it wasn't until I turned my spotlight on that I was able to see what he was trying to warn me about. There was a humanoid figure standing in the middle of the road. It appeared to be wearing all white like robes, and it did not move at all, just standing still in the road. The reason I knew this person had to have seen this thing is that he too pulled over right into the closest shoulder. As soon as he approached this thing, I get out of my car and shine my light onto this person, and it immediately sprints off into the trees like some sort of wild animal, yet completely unhuman. Despite how quickly it moved, it made no noise running or running through the brush. My partner comes up behind me, asking if I saw what he saw, and I responded with, yeah, I did, in a very uneasy tone. Despite being unable to explain what it was that I just saw, all I can think about was getting back in our car and driving away. The other officer asked me if I wanted him to go in after it so we could at least figure out what kind of animal it might have been. But the fact that this thing wasn't making any noise while running kind of gave me the feeling that whatever was running through those woods knew exactly where it was going, which led me to believe that chasing after it would likely be trying to catch a ghost. We didn't see anything else throughout our shift besides some drunk drivers and people purposely not wearing their seatbelts. All in all, another uneventful night besides this. Still can't explain this, I was out in the mountains of Pennsylvania in the Poconos, this happened multiple times, I would be in the woods and would hear knocking sounds on the trees around us at night. I would brush it off as just wind but then the sounds would get louder and closer and then they started surrounding us in a circle. It was like the way that a loading icon is and goes in a circle. We would just shut up and throw more wood on the fire. Then we heard screaming from the woods surrounding us, not yelping but in some kind of language. It was absolutely insane. It sounded like people dying. It wasn't coyotes, I've heard them one thousands of times. This was human. While the screaming and knocking kept going in circles we would huddle near each other at the fire, looking at each other like what the f, and it would stop after about 20 minutes. When we were in our tent sometimes we would hear it again and hide under the blankets. Sometimes would even hear footsteps. This was in an area that had a lot of Native American violence so maybe that could be why? Just grasping at straws here, because there was no way we could explain it. Whenever we went to the same area it would happen. Edit for everyone wondering if I'm alive lol yes I am. We ended up staying at my friend's cabin, more like a shed to be honest, and I really only stayed one night and day because two people, my friends, had to leave and I didn't want to be alone with the last person there whom I didn't know all that well. They were. Kinda odd to say the least and I didn't feel right without cell service or my own car in the middle of nowhere with a stranger. Nothing out of the ordinary there though, just a campfire, some beers, grilled some food, etc. This was in a different area than the above happened, maybe that's why, but if I ever go back to the last place I will make a new post. No weird sounds that I could hear, even while venturing into the woods looking for them but maybe someday I'll hear them again. Thanks for all the replies asking if I'm alive though ha. Huh?
I feel kinda bad how anti-climatic this was too, I really wanted to catch a recording or something, but it was just a normal camp out this time. I took a deep breath of the crisp, pine-scented air as I surveyed the quiet campground nestled deep within Yosemite National Park. As a park ranger, solitude was part of the job, but tonight felt different. The stillness of the forest was interrupted by a strange, childlike whisper that sent shivers down my spine. I'm Chris, a lone ranger stationed at this remote campground. I'm not your typical ranger, besides my love for the great outdoors, I'm also an occasional jujitsu master and computer geek. But none of that mattered now as I strained my ears to decipher the eerie whispers that seemed to emanate from the woods. With no other campers around, curiosity compelled me to investigate the source of the sound. I followed the whispers, my heart pounding in my chest as they grew louder and more unsettling. They led me to a massive, ancient tree standing alone in the heart of the forest. As I approached the tree, the whispers intensified, filling the air with an unsettling aura. I circled the tree, and to my surprise, I discovered a hidden entrance concealed by gnarled roots. It was as if the tree was guarding the secret that lay beneath. With my flashlight in hand, I descended into the hidden network of caves beneath the forest floor. The air grew damp and heavy, carrying the scent of decay. My heart raced as the beam of light revealed row upon row of human bones, a chilling testament to the cave's dark history. A cold chill ran down my spine as I realized that these remains were over a century old. It seemed that roughly a hundred human corpses rested here, their souls trapped within these cavernous walls. I was treading on unhallowed ground, an unwelcome guest in this domain of the forgotten. Accidentally, I placed my foot upon a fragile bone, and a sickening crack echoed through the cave. The whispers abruptly ceased, replaced by an ominous silence. Panic set in as I realized I had attracted the attention of an unknown predator that had been lurking in the depths of the darkness. I scrambled to find a hiding spot, my mind racing to concoct a plan of escape. The creature's whispers returned, now laced with anger and hunger. It was closing in on my location, inch by agonizing inch. With nowhere to run, I found a narrow alcove and pressed myself against the rough cave wall, praying that it would be enough to conceal me from the creature's sight. My heart pounded against my ribs as the whispers grew louder, reverberating through my very being. Minutes felt like hours as I clung to the hope that I had eluded the predator's gaze. Finally, the whispers began to fade their malevolence receding into the abyss. The creature had moved on, leaving me trembling in the darkness. As the silence settled upon the cave once more, I knew I had to make my escape. Slowly, cautiously, I ventured out of my hiding place, every step calculated to avoid making even the slightest sound. With each passing moment, the fear and madness that had threatened to consume me subsided. I emerged from the cave's gaping maw, the sunlight warming my face like a long-lost friend. I knew then that I would never return to that place, haunted by whispers and the specter of unimaginable horror. My sons, then about seven and five, 
and I had planned to fish the Brittenbush River near the 4,685 bridge as we'd camped in the area before and they were familiar with it. We turned off FR-46 onto 4,685, south, crossed the bridge, pulled over and parked. 4,685 continues on a short way then begins to climb. There's a dirt road that leads right, west, that parallels the river immediately past where we parked. I was giving the okay, here's how we're going to do this. Speech when a movement a little farther up the road, 100 feet or so, caught my attention. When I looked I saw a figure I initially thought to be a person walking across the road from left to right. But quickly realized this was out of the ordinary. The figure was approximately 8 feet tall, maybe a few inches more, covered with reddish-brown hair all over its body. I distinctly remember seeing muscle movement as it moved and thinking man, that thing must be strong. I also remember its arm swinging as it walked. And being too long for a human being's because its hands came down to its lower thigh level. It only had to take four or five steps to cross the road then stepped down over the edge of the road into the brush. It turned and looked at us briefly as it walked. I can't honestly say I got a good look at its facial features but I did notice that the hair color on the head and the side of the face matched the color of the body hair. When I looked at my boys. My older son was staring where I had been, my younger son didn't see it. After the shock of did we just see a Bigfoot? Past I walked up to where the figure had walked across the road and tried to duplicate its stride. I'm 5 feet 9 and it took me several steps to cross the road. I went into the brush where I saw it enter and found a foot-shaped impression in some moss-covered ground that dwarfed my boot. That was enough, we decided not to do any fishing. On the way home we stopped at the ranger station and asked if they had heard any reports of Bigfoot and learned real quickly why most people don't report their sightings. I was 17 and laying in my driveway smoking a cigarette. I was mad about something and I said to myself, I'm so pissed off right now if an alien ship flew above me I would tell them to F off. Typical teenager shit. At the exact moment I thought that I heard the sound of a foot scraping across the ground. I looked down, since I was laying down, and saw a man with white hair and a backpack walking down my street about 20 feet from me. I lived on a cul-de-sac and this man was not one of my neighbors. He was walking from the opening of my street toward the dead end. I watched him walk by and he got behind my car and I watched his feet go past my tire. I kept watching to see him walk out the other side. And I waited. And I waited. I never saw his feet walk past my tire. So at that moment I thought he was standing at the back of my car so I get up to confront him. Except he's gone. Poof. No man on the road. No doors opened or closed on my street and my neighborhood was cut out of a large hill so there was no outlet except for the end of the road, but that's where he was walking from. It scared the ever-living shit out of me. I put my cigarette out and went back inside and locked the door. I have only told a few people about this. Edit, this was at about 11 p.m. Very quiet on my block and no one outside. Though I was in a neighborhood it felt secluded and alone. Four and a half to five years ago, 
I found myself in the depths of Black Bear Swamp, a remote and secluded area known for its dense vegetation and elusive wildlife. It was a place where nature reigned supreme, and the boundaries between reality and the extraordinary often blurred. That day, I was accompanied by my girlfriend, Sarah, as we embarked on a leisurely hike through the swamp. The air was thick with humidity, and the sounds of chirping birds and rustling leaves filled the atmosphere. We reveled in the tranquility of the untouched wilderness, blissfully unaware of the astonishing events that were about to unfold. As we made our way through the thick undergrowth, a sudden thud resonated through the air, followed by a loud crack against the trunk of a towering pine tree. Startled, Sarah turned towards me, her eyes wide with alarm. Did you throw that rock at me? She accused, her voice trembling with a mix of confusion and anger. Taken aback by her accusation, I quickly denied any involvement. My mind raced, trying to comprehend what had just happened. It was impossible for me to have thrown a rock with such force and accuracy. Something else was at play. Our attention was abruptly diverted as movement caught our peripheral vision. Peering through the dense brush, we glimpsed a figure, large and hulking, swiftly making its way through the undergrowth. At first, we mistook it for a deer, but as it emerged into a clearing, the truth became undeniable. Before us stood a creature that defied explanation, a Bigfoot. Its massive frame towered over the surrounding foliage, and its dark, shaggy fur blended seamlessly with the shadows. The creature moved with a grace and agility that belied its immense size. It cast a glance in our direction, its piercing eyes seeming to hold a hint of intelligence and curiosity. He just stared at us for a minute and then disappeared into wilderness. True story. This story is from around 5-6 years ago when I was a teenager but I still remember it clearly. For some context this was a wooded area near my hometown in the UK that had established bike paths and people visited regularly making it a decently known area, but still was large and had areas that no one would go to. It began when my friend and I cycled to the area to do some jumps and generally just ride around when we spotted a swing on top of a hill and decided we wanted to go up and use it. We did so and spent around an hour or two just talking and swinging and it began to get dark. My friend took off as he had to be back earlier than me and instead of leaving, I cycled around for a bit longer. I ended up cycling pretty deep into the woods until I was no longer on bike paths and instead barely visible dirt paths. I went up a another pretty steep hill and this is when it happened. Below me, around 20 meters or so near the bottom of the hill, stood a man wearing a black leather gas mask, some kind of military-looking jacket and holding a long thick torch in his hand. The torch wasn't on and he was just crouching down in my direction towards the hill, staring straight at the ground and from what I could tell he wasn't doing anything at all. But then he looked up at me. I couldn't make out if he was staring directly towards me but the cold black voids of the mask's eye sockets terrified me. I immediately nearly shit myself and leapt onto my bike. As I did I heard heavy rough, fast breathing getting louder and I rode as fast I could for about 10 seconds before quickly looking back. He was stood still at the top of the hill, no longer chasing but just staring at me with the same cold black eyes. I never told anyone what happened 
not even any of my friends, and still now even driving past that place sends a chill down my spine. I know it's not a particularly amazing story but definitely scares me still. Two years ago I lived in a fly-in community in northern Manitoba. I lived there for two years and tried to experience everything the location had to offer. I got into hunting and took to exploring around on the ski-doo that was at my disposal. One day I went grouse hunting down the ice road on the ski-doo. I had been out for a while in minus 35 Celsius and managed to get a grouse. After I got the grouse, my only thoughts were on getting home. It was only then I realized how cold I was. I was already shivering and I was about 17 km away from the town. I hadn't seen anyone all morning either. As I started back I could only go so fast, otherwise the wind would wick away any heat my gear had trapped. That was the first time I really felt mortal. That was the first time I realized that if I stopped moving, I would die. It took me well over an hour to get back near civilization. When I finally got in the door I was frantic. My wife realized I was in the beginning stages of hypothermia and pushed me to alternate between jumping jacks and push-ups while she prepared me something warm to drink. That was probably my creepiest experience. That is the last time I will go out alone like that. If this community ski-do had have quit on me, which was very possible, I would have needed some quick thinking to make it out of there. Lots of dumb choices that day. This incident occurred in western Idaho. This account comes from a very close family friend of my grandpa, his name is Neil. He's the kind of person that wouldn't lie about something like this and I honestly believe his story. This story was told while I was on a hunting trip with my grandpa, father, a few of my uncles, Neil, and one or two other people. I don't know exactly how the conversation led to talking about strange and unknown things seen in the wild but here we were. This was a few years ago, so forgive me if I've forgotten some details. Neil's story. A few years back, he described it to be about the early 1990s, and one of my friends had gotten permission to go and hunt jackrabbits on another one of my friend's properties out in a very remote part of western Idaho, I can't remember exactly where. But they had come an hour or two from the Weezer area in. The property was out in the middle of the desert quite far from any small town or city. We entered on the north side of the property over a cattle guard and through a gate. The property was kind of in a valley and was divided into a very large flat plain mostly on one half and then on the other was a very large hill that spanned the length of the private land. It had an elevation of probably 200 to 300 feet give or take. That night we had been working the flatter part of the land with the spotlight on my truck and flashlights in hand shooting the rabbits. It was a clear night and the moon was probably three-fourths full, so it was relatively easy to see some elements of the property by the moonlight. We started a little after dusk and by this time it was about midnight and were about two-thirds down the length of the property when we heard this, unhuman, blood-curdling scream come from the eastern side of where the hill ran. I looked at my friend and we both froze. We were at the truck using the spotlight looking for rabbits when it happened. 
We were probably 200 to 300 yards from the base of the hill so the top of the hill was probably another 100 yards or so from the base to the top. As I started to scan the hillside with my scope the creature screamed again. I then followed the sound and saw a tall lanky humanoid figure standing with the upper half of its body silhouetted against the sky at the top of the hill. I had fired a shot toward it from my .22 knowing it wouldn't make it to the creature. But I wanted to try and get it to move up and over the hill so I could get a better look at it. But instead this thing started to move down the hill toward us. Right after that happened booked it to the closest side of the property, found a gate, shot the lock off, and drove away from there as fast as we could. To this day I still don't know what I saw, but it scared the daylights out of me. So there's Neil's story to the best of my recollection. I would love to hear what y'all think, Skinwalker? Windigo? Let me know. Before starting to tell you what happened and how I got into this situation, I'd like to introduce myself a little bit. I'm 29 years old and live in Switzerland, where I work as a cop. Basically it's like 911, someone calls, then dispatch sends us for all kind of interventions. Sometimes, things you see in that job changes your perspectives of what's normal. You meet all kind of people and sometimes weird places too. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. But in general, my country is safe and I almost never carry my gun home, unless I go training at the shooting range. Also, and because it's linked to my story, I love music and driving cars. It helps me clear my mind and makes me feel good. Some time ago, I met a club of car enthusiasts and from time to time we meet and do little road trips across the country. I'm also very chill and calm person and I always try to find a peaceful solution to anything, especially at work. I try to always see good in people and prefer talking to them. Okay here starts my story. Last year, 2022, I went on a road trip with a nice guy I met through the car club. Let's call him Robert to keep anonymity. 
That trip was really cool and we drove almost all night. Felt like playing NFS, which was great because the lights of cities looked beautiful at that time and I'm more of a night owl. After that trip, we said we'll stay in touch to make another trip someday. Weeks passed when suddenly I got a message on WhatsApp. Hi, it's been a while. How are you? Still up for a little trip? Tell me when you're free. When I saw the message, I directly checked my schedule and found a free day. I sent him back, hey. Yeah sure. I'm free on. Let me know if it works for you too. He answers, okay, works for me too, where do you want to hike? Then I was confused. Why is he talking about hiking? I checked again the message and noticed it was written by another Robert, too, from my contacts. Not only did I mistaken the dudes by their names but also because their profile pictures on WhatsApp looked alike. The guy that contacted me was an old acquaintance I met through some of my friends when I did some DJ set parties. It was a few years ago and we were both passionate by the same music. Then from time to time we bumped through each other at concerts. So I had just planned a day with this guy I mistaken for someone else. I felt bad and didn't want to cancel because although it wasn't the person I thought, that guy was nice too and it's been a while since I went for a hike in the woods or the mountains. So I was like, yeah, why the hell not? Then, we started planning the hike. I didn't want something too challenging, so I made a proposition. I knew a nice hike that goes through the woods and mountains, the views are beautiful and you get to meet hikers here and there. Also, the path has multiple campfire spots, where you can grill some sausages. Robert, too, agreed and asked me if it's okay for me to take him at the train station and will leave my car at the parking next to woods. The day of the hike, I arrived at the train station where Robert, too, was waiting for me. I looked through the place and couldn't find him. Then he waved at me. Here, I got my first red flag. The guy I knew and saw on his profile picture looked different. It was Robert, too, but he looked sloppy, he grew long hair and had a beard. I charged up his bag in my trunk and we moved. During the ride, I noticed that Robert, too, smelled bad. It's the kind of odor I smell on the job when I'm confronted with homeless people or drug addicts. But I noticed he came well equipped for the hike which means he wasn't in a no money situation. So I decided to not judge him because of his body odor and to ignore it. Besides, we'll be in the woods so outside I wouldn't notice that. We stopped at a shop near the woods to get some fire starters and that's when Robert asked me if I was up to change the hike because he knew another location close to the one I have chosen and that had some nice spots for pictures, we both carried good cameras. I'm good with a map and I checked it on my special app. The hike was the same length as mine but it went near a river which I found really nice. Okay, let's go check that. Finally, we parked my car and arrived at the forest. I saw some old barns there and little fields for cows. Our little trip started. During the hike, I was questioning Robert on his life to catch up time. I already knew he was a smart guy who did engineering school but I learned he moved out from our city and found some job at a construction company where he does all kind of call cool to build stuff. Then the more I learned about his life, the more I felt something was odd. Robert started telling me he has a girlfriend but they are going through some hard times and he thought she might leave him soon. 
Then he continued saying that he missed some days at work because he felt depressed and because he wasn't sure it pleased him anymore. He said he might get fired. I was trying to cheer him up and keep him focused on good stuff and advised him to consult if necessary. He asked me about my job and how I react with dangerous people and stuff like that. I wasn't reassured by all this conversation but I always get all kind of questions from people so I can't tell I was shocked. Also, during the walk he sometimes looked a bit off, like a robot. At some point, near the river, we found what looked like ruins from an old mild, around 1920 to 1880 I'd say so. It was a cool spot and I took a pic or two. But we didn't see any people on our path and the sky got cloudy and it started to rain a bit. Luckily, I was well equipped, I carried everything you need in this kind of places, water, food, fire starters, first aid and a knife. We kept moving until we found a campfire spot with a wooden table. We decided to stay there and eat. I asked Robert to get some wood while I'll set up the table and look for little branches to maintain the fire. Robert puts his bag on the table and starts to show me tools he got with him. He grabs a big hand saw, puts it on the table, then he takes out two knives one of them was a really big one, Switzerland's law is permissive regarding knives in my opinion. I was surprised to see this kind of knife because it's a three hours hike and we're not staying there for the night, nor hunting something. So I decided to pull out the knife out of the knife holster I had attached on my belt to go get the branches. Robert looked at me and then he said something in a surprised tone that froze me to the bones. Oh, you took a knife too. Immediately, my mind started racing. Two? What does this mean? Why wasn't I supposed to get a knife when we planned to go into the woods and make a campfire? Robert suddenly leaves to get what I asked him and I got an uneasy feeling. It's like my whole body was in alert mode, saying me something is going on. I'm used to be around dangerous people at the job but it's different when you're working fully equipped, bulletproof vest, gun, paper spray, and you're with your partner in the situation I was in right now. I mean, we were alone in the woods and we didn't see anyone on the path. From that moment, I decided to keep both my eyes on Robert and keep him in sight all the time, especially his hands. That's what you learn at the police academy. People always use their hands to do harm. Moreover, I decided to keep a minimum distance in case he tries to do something. A few minutes later, Robert comes back, puts all the branches he grabbed from trees, his knife still in his hand. He looks straight at me and just stands there. Suddenly, he said, I'm sorry. His tone felt empty of emotions. Immediately I got up and looked at him. I was sure he was going to run at me and try something bad. I got a rush of adrenaline. Then he started to mumble something, I could barely understand, we're both here in the woods. Alone. We got knives. I'm sorry. What does he mean? Why does he act that weird? Then Robert continues. Let's hug. My body gave me even more alerts. Why does he want to get close to me, while he is holding a knife in his hand? Is he trying to do something bad? Why would I hug him out of nowhere? Then my mind told me I've got to get out of this situation quickly but without making him suspicious. I wanted to leave this place and go home. I finally replied, like nothing happened, no worries man, let's make that fire, 
eat something so we can get home before going completely wet. But I didn't want to get close to Robert. I asked him to get more branches because the ones he got me were wet. I took the rain as my opportunity. After he came back I told him the fire starters didn't work well in the rain and it might be a better option to pack our stuff and head back to the parking. He first looked skeptical and disappointed but agreed. We packed everything and left the place. I didn't want to talk to him on our way back but I didn't want him to notice something was odd so I just kept talking like nothing happened. From that moment, his tone changed a bit, seemed colder to me. I kept him in my sight. After all we were still alone in the woods. He kept being very negative towards life and people. It made me think he maybe was s in some way. I was happy I did not carried my gun that day because I was afraid he might try to do something because of that. Once we got back to the parking where I finally saw people, he asked me if I could give him a ride. I refused arguing I just got an urgent call from someone and needed to leave. After all that, I kept asking myself, was he trying to do something? Was he just afraid by the situation? Maybe it was odd for him, even though we knew each other and even partied together. Was he planning something? I mean we were alone, in a place he knew better than me and he was a really smart guy. All I can tell you, is that I blocked him after that and decided to contact our common friend. I knew he was close to Robert so I explained him the whole situation. My friend told me that Robert was going through some depression and was feeling bad lately. I told him that I can't do anything legally to help him without his consent but I advised my friend to call him and make him see someone. A few weeks after my friend had a discussion with Robert and apparently Robert was open to see someone about his problems. Thank you for reading my story. Let me know what you think about all this. I'm still confused to this day. I might be making my mind up but I saw many people with similar reactions to Robert and I'm not reassured about this. Two of my friends snuck out last summer and took a walk listening to music. They decided to sit down on the road and talked a bit and they both heard a distant scream that sounded pretty similar to an elk screech but for like one second in duration. So they turned off the music and saw a huge humanoid horse looking thing sprint out of this forest into a field and they said it was running really fast like 40 miles per hour. They said it was kind of hunched and had a limp, was lean but muscular, and was completely pale gray and naked. They both sprinted home and Facebooked each other when they got home and told me and a few others about it the next day. I was in disbelief so I snuck out on my bike the next night with my other friend and met up with the two original people along with some others and went looking for it. We heard the noises they described and I and my one friend saw a pale Bigfoot looking creature walk in front of someone's barn light like 300 yards away but we're not sure. We continued to do this for a few nights and one of them was walking to meet up with us alone to go looking for it and had seen it like 5 times on the walk there, sometimes like 20 feet in front of him. We probably all went looking for it 6 or 7 times in total. The last time we went looking we all saw it and it was super tall, like 8 to 10 feet, super fast, and had these glowing eyes you could see from a mile away. I'm pretty sure I also saw it have these long greasy lock strands of hair about shoulder length. It looked like a mix between a crawler, Aaron Yeager Titan form, and Jeff the Killer. It was creepy. 
Then it was on the pavement you could hear clopping noises like it had hooves or something. Aside from this, I was on a late night gas station walk later that summer with two of my friends at three in the morning. On our way back we saw something run hobble across the road about 70 yards in front of us and it looked pretty similar. However, it was much smaller, maybe 5 feet tall but I could see it being maybe 7 feet if it was standing fully upright. This was in rural northeast Ohio. I forgot to add that we were walking on the way back to my friend's house one of the nights and behind somebody's house we heard the noise of a baby crying in the woods. I couldn't have been mistaken for anything else but a baby. As soon as you bat an eye at that thing he went zoom. You had to be looking in the right place at the right time. Half the people would see it and be like oh there he is. The other half would look over and he'd be gone. I don't think he was a crawler since those are slow. This dude was super quick. My first thought when I heard my friend explain it was Windigo. It could have been, not sure. I've seen its full body a few times and the first time it was sprinting like 60 miles per hour in a field propelling itself with its front legs, and its back legs were really short and limp like T-Rex arms. I don't believe it was hairy but I do recall seeing some long greasy locks about shoulder length. There's a movie I remember seeing on Netflix called Sorry to Bother You, and in the movie, there are these tall green looking humanoids with horse heads who used to be people but took a drug and it turned them into horse people. Look it up, it looks similar, mixed with a crawler, and about 10 or 15 feet tall standing. I remember seeing it next to a ranch house and it was easily taller than the house. I would describe the way it runs as somewhat like a chicken. I worked in New York Harbor for quite a few years on tugboats, assisting large ships in and out of the harbor. I work offshore now and, unfortunately haven't seen anything too creepy out here. To set this up, spoiler being that it's not supernatural, New York Harbor is busy. All commercial boats communicate with each other on one VHF station, if you're interested, get a VHF handheld and tune into VHF 13 sometime where we're going, what we're doing, how we're going to meet, etc. Everyone uses this station, rugs, badges, ships, ferries, coast guard, well crewed, yachts, etc. So it's jam-packed, always squaking. Pretty annoying sometimes. I came into work a day after Hurricane Sandy hit New York. Disregarding the hazards of driving the roads on Staten Island where the boats are stationed, the entire harbor was shut down due to fears of debris and shoaling caused by the storm surge. For the next week, I sat on the boat, getting paid, waiting for the harbor to open. The point I'm getting to is that the radio was dead silent. One of the busiest and congested waterways in the US and nobody was moving. Nobody was talking. You could turn the interference rejection all the way down, the volume all the way up and only hear a faint background buzz. It just felt. Wrong. Unnatural. A bit of a post-apocalyptic vibe. Anyway, that's my creepy sea-related story. Me and my grandpa were walking a deer trail along a five-foot-wide thicket with clear cuts on both sides. It was a peaceful day, 
with the sun shining through the trees and the sound of birds chirping in the distance. Little did we know that this walk would take a turn towards the mysterious and unknown. As we walked, engrossed in our conversation about hunting and the great outdoors, it was my grandfather who first noticed something strange. He abruptly stopped and muttered, What the bleep is that? His tone made me stop in my tracks and look in the direction he was pointing. There, in the soft soil near the trail, was the biggest footprint I had ever seen. It was deep and wide, easily twice the size of my own foot. The imprint resembled that of a giant creature, and I couldn't help but feel a shiver run down my spine. The kicker to all this was that it was my grandpa's last year of hunting. Due to a cataract in one eye, his doctor advised him to give up hunting. It was a bittersweet moment for him, as he had been an avid hunter his whole life. And now, in his final year, he stumbled upon something truly mysterious. Curiosity peaked, I began searching for any other signs that could lead us to the creature responsible for that enormous footprint. We scanned the surrounding area, looking for tracks, broken branches, or any other evidence of its presence. But to our dismay, we couldn't find anything else. Despite the lack of additional signs, the sighting had spooked me enough to shift my focus from searching for deer to searching for what made that track. My mother was born and raised in Texas and she would visit her grandmother in Anna, Texas. This is a story my great-grandmother told my mother and my mother told me. She lived out in the country and raised chickens and was a tough old pioneer woman. Her husband had died and she was alone on the farm. It was the early 1900s. She had chickens being stolen so she had a shotgun by the door to catch whoever or whatever it was. Once, she woke up in the middle of the night to chickens making a racket. She said that she saw a very tall hairy creature standing on two legs in the pen. She blast one barrel at the creature and it turned to run. She shot at it with the other barrel. She insisted the story was true and had a peppered front porch railing and posts to prove it. My dad's brother had a cabin near Leroy, Michigan. He would take my brother and me to his cabin on many weekends during the year. When I was around 14 years old and my brother was 12, he taught us to hunt and fish, and shoot guns. We never missed a chance to go with him as he had no children. He also had a huge German shepherd that was fearless. On one occasion, we were walking on state land with a dog. It was the middle of the day in the fall. The path we were on led us around this small hill about 10 feet high. We could see over the woods. Then suddenly it went quiet but soon it sounded like a freight train coming through the woods towards us from the hill. The dog went crazy and it took every bit of strength my uncle had to hold him back. He went up there to fight whatever was coming at us. I think I could safely say we were terrified except for that dog. It was running on two legs with heavy pounding feet. The branches were breaking. Then just as it should have come crashing over the little hill it went completely silent. Nothing. The dog went quiet but kept looking at the top of the hill where this thing should have been. We waited for a bit. My uncle said we should go back. No words were spoken on the trek back and it was never spoken of until I started watching your videos. There are a couple of old guys talking about an incident that happened years and years ago. 
My uncle's long gone but I wish I could go back and ask him about that day. Back in 1969, during the winter, we couldn't get up the road to the cabin as the snow was too deep. We pulled over and pulled our supplies up the road in a toboggan. My dad's other brother came up with his snowmobile. We had fun until it was time to go. It was a Sunday evening as we packed up our things and trudged back down to the cars. It was dark and snowing and my uncle had left his car keys back up at the cabin. I told him I'd walk back and get the keys. It took me about a half hour to get back up there. I grabbed the car keys and started to make my way back down the two track through the woods. I had only gone a little way when I heard branches breaking, like something was following me down the hill. It was off to my right side paralleling me. It was close but I couldn't see anything. All I had was my hunting knife, so I pulled it out and began running down the hill, knowing any moment I was going to be attacked. I've never been so afraid. Just then I heard my uncle's snowmobile coming up the hill and his headlights shining at me. He had decided I was taking too long and pulled his machine off the trailer to find me. He passed me and drove up away to turn around. I was back at the vehicles when my other uncle came back. He asked me if I had lost my knife. I guess I dropped it in the snow running down the hill. It should have been buried in that deep snow but my uncle said it was on top and easy to spot. I never told anyone what really happened or why I had my knife out of the sheath. In the 1980s, I was married and living in Door, Michigan, about two hours south of my uncle's cabin. There were lots of woods and living in a nice house. One summer, in the middle of the night, we both woke from a sound sleep by what sounded like a woman screaming at the top of her lungs. My wife was terrified when she asked me if I heard that. Knowing she had heard it and I wasn't dreaming I jumped up, put my pants on, and grabbed my pistol. Whatever it was started screaming again and I ran into the woods. I was shining my flashlight all over but not seeing anything. I stopped and stood still for a long time and slowly walked back to the house. I told my wife it was probably a rabbit getting caught by a fox or coyote and never spoke about it again. That scream that we heard that night was no rabbit or owl and I've heard them both. This happened around three years ago and thinking about it still makes me feel uneasy. I live in a rural area surrounded by a nature conservation area. There are many nice paths and it's a great peaceful and quiet place to go for walks, ride bikes. On this day I decided to take my dog for a walk there in the evening. I didn't want to go that far. For some reason I decided to leave my phone at home, even though I usually take it with me, just in case. Everything was going well and, as usual, I barely met anyone. At some point I got to my favorite spot, a wooded area. There is a field behind it and I planned on walking all the way to the end. Then I wanted to turn around and take the same way home. As I continued walking after I made it through the wooded area, my dog started acting strange. She kept looking back and didn't want to go on. I thought she had spotted a deer or a rabbit and wasn't concerned. I didn't look around right away. But then she let out a little growl bark. I had never heard her do that before. I turn around and sure enough. There is a man standing on the edge of the wooded area field like maybe 10 meters next to the path. He was fully clothed and didn't move. 
He was just staring at us. My heart was pounding. No matter where I would go, I would still be in a secluded area for a while. I didn't think and just started walking quickly towards the end of the field. My dog still wasn't having it. When I turned around after getting a bit further away, he had also moved. Now he was standing on the field, still staring intensely. That's when I really knew we had to get going. I didn't look back until we got to the end of the field. Because of some trees, my view was obstructed. I couldn't see him and my dog seemed a bit calmer. Obviously I didn't want to stop for more than a few seconds though. From there on, I decided to take the the path that would take me to some part of my town the quickest. We literally ran and I was so relieved when we made it back to civilization. I have no idea what his intention was. I'm just proud of my dog for alerting me. Friend and I went camping when we were around 18. Found an awesome flat area off the side of a rather steep hill that overlooked the lake nearby. I can't remember the name of the lake, not important, but it was large enough that we couldn't see the other side. We were there for a couple of days, were fishing, setting a couple snares, pretty much pulling a survivor man. On the third night we hadn't lit the fire yet, we wanted to see the stars. Being Toronto kids, we rarely got to see too many. Sure enough, moonless night, no light source around anywhere, and there are the stars. I pointed out a few passing satellites, I miss having such great vision, he named off the constellations that he knew. We were chatting then we saw it. On the horizon, a small, and very bright, red dot appeared. Looked like a gun laser dot. We both sat there racking our brains and making aliens jokes. But sure enough it was getting closer. Soon it was the size of a dime, then a quarter, but it's taken the shape of an eye, and yet it got closer and closer. We started thinking that maybe it was a forest fire or something. Maybe it really was aliens with a nervous laugh. I remember him getting his hunting knife out of its sheath, and I did the same, ready for anything. Finally it's the size of a football, actually lighting up the area we were in. We were able to see the red glow off the trees, and the lake. About here is when I realized we were looking at the rising blood moon. The lake was perfectly still and the moon was reflecting off of it. He physically slapped himself into a facepalm. We were city kids after all. When I was 12, I lived out in 29 Palms, California in the middle of the desert. One night around June 14, 2015, I remember being awake in the middle of the night to a black silhouette that was shaped just like a short gray. It was staring straight down at me and I was staring at its face. It had its hand on my forehead and its skin was so abnormally smooth, soft, and warm. I was filled with pure love and tranquility. I intuitively knew that everything was going to be okay. My mind was completely clear of any thoughts. As if it was controlling my mind. And for some reason, it started making me count upward in my head. Once I got to three, I went unconscious. I eventually woke up again still laying in bed and everything in the room was the same except the entity was just gone. I sat up and immediately thought WTF was that and what just happened? 
I was able to think again and I was just so confused at what this all meant. I often question whether or not that intensely reassuring feeling was actually supposed to mean something or if it was just a way for it to make me relax so it could do what it came to do. But I just don't understand why it seemed to have let me remember that moment instead of making me just forget the entire experience. I may not ever know. This was in an area where there was a clear cut on the far side of the ravine which had a creek running through it. There was a logging road where I camped. If I remember correctly, there was a sign attached to a tree stating DeWalt 16. This was a few miles off the highway to Crater Lake and 50 miles from the parking lot at the Virginia domiciliary at White City. The sound I heard was a loud bois which I never heard before or since. It lasted perhaps three seconds and I could not determine the exact direction. I did not try to discover the source of the sound as there was thick underbrush. Earlier, there had been cattle in the area. Doors were tightly barred in Hong Kong as the search for a hairy beast unfolded. Terrified residents shared stories of a shaggy creature standing over six feet tall, sending waves of fear through the community. Among them was Law Chu, a village gardener, who had an encounter with the beast and lived to tell the tale. It was a day like any other when I found myself face to face with this mysterious creature. I was tending to my duties near the family temple, approximately 50 yards away, when the unthinkable occurred. Suddenly, out of the shadows, the beast appeared before me, its entire body covered in long, shaggy gray hair. To my astonishment, it stood upright, assuming a posture that resembled a human. Without a moment's hesitation, instinct took over, and I unleashed a powerful punch towards its stomach. The blow connected, causing the creature to momentarily falter. However, my triumph was short-lived, as it swiftly fell upon me, and we engaged in a desperate struggle. We grappled and wrestled, locked in a fierce battle for what felt like an eternity. Eventually, the creature abruptly disengaged, retreating into the distance, its form shifting as it loped away on all fours. I was left bewildered and shaken, trying to comprehend the surreal encounter that had just unfolded before my very eyes. The encounter had left an indelible mark on my psyche, forever etching the image of that shaggy beast into my memory. Not long after my encounter, the tales of this enigmatic creature continued to circulate. A woman reported witnessing a strange animal galloping past her vegetable garden, moving swiftly on all fours. As proof of her sighting, she presented large triangular footprints imprinted in the soft earth, distinctly different from those made by a human or an ape. The community was thrown into a state of uncertainty and fear as the search for answers intensified. Speculation swirled, and theories were born, attempting to unravel the truth behind this hairy beast that had sent shockwaves through Hong Kong. As the days turned into weeks, the search for the creature continued, and the collective hope for understanding grew. But amidst the fear and uncertainty, there was also a sense of awe, a recognition that our world holds mysteries far beyond our comprehension. To this day, the memory of that encounter remains vivid in my mind. It serves as a constant reminder that in the vast tapestry of our existence, there are forces and creatures that defy conventional understanding, 
urging us to embrace the enigmatic wonders that lie hidden within our world.